Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Strafford, Michael Palmer along with you on this episode. And today we're going to talk about the world of nursing, the world of healthcare education with a great guest. But before that, always like to check in. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good, uh, Dan. Thanks. Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, had, had a nice weekend. Uh, and, uh, and then we're lucky enough to be joined by, uh, by a guest. Uh, we have a guest star here with us. And uh, our regular star, Brandon, uh, unfortunately is unavailable, but we're, we're, we're really happy and uh, excited to have uh, Dr. Susan Sanders here with us, uh, Vice President of Nursing at Kaplan Test Prep. So welcome to the show, Susan. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Yeah, happy to have you and uh, happy to, to sort of pick your brain about what's going on in healthcare education, uh, nursing education, uh, sort of the professional world of, uh, of helping people. Um, can you let our listeners know a little bit about your background? Because uh, you've, uh, you've worn quite a few different hats uh, over, the, over the course of your career, uh, all of them really in the nursing and, and healthcare space. Right. It, it's really an exciting profession to be in because there are so many opportunities. When I uh, first got out of nursing school, I went to a hospital to work, which was typical. Mm -hmm. And I worked as a medical surgical nurse and then moved on into critical care and emergency. Mm -hmm. So as clinical, uh, as a clinical nurse, my, my specialty is critical care and emergency. Mm -hmm. From that, I also have um, had the experience to be a consultant for hospital operations. I've been a chief nurse in a hospital a couple of times, which means that I'm responsible for all of the all of the nurses and the patient care that's occurring in the hospital. Mm -hmm. I also then have been a director of a nursing program. So involved in not only nursing education, but the business aspect, plus the clinical aspect. So um, all that to say that I have a lot of experience in nursing and that means I'm old, right? <laughs> and, and, but with a, with a wide uh, depth of uh, experience, a wide depth, I don't know if that's a thing, but uh, a lot of width and depth to your experience. Um, but um, lots of times these days, uh, folks are trying to build teams uh, that are diverse. And in part that's because uh, a team with uh, diversity in it is going to have very different perspectives. Your career has such diversity within nursing that you're able to bring real depth of experience to understand all the different angles that exist within delivery of care. Um, out of all of those things, um, you know, and that, that doesn't even touch on your experience now within the, the educational space too, right? So, um, you know, there was the, the more practicing aspect of uh, your nursing career. Right. And, then, uh, and then you sort of evolved into the nurse educator space. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that's been like? Well, sure. Um, nursing education is, uh, is several components, of course. So there's the didactic education, which is the classroom teaching, which, you know, I can stand and lecture about trauma nursing and emergency nursing and talk about a lot of different uh, treatments and how to take care of that type of patient. But then we also move in nursing education to that clinical hands-on yep. teaching. And that that's what we would call clinical experience. And then we also have laboratory experience where I would practice giving my shots in the lab before I would actually go and 
provide that to a client or to a patient in the hospital setting or whatever clinical setting. Mm -hmm. So when I think about all of those combined, it, it really is a, a strong and rich part of education. So mm -hmm. they're, they're learning the content and they're, then they're practicing it. And when we're preparing nurses to practice, we have to um, provide them with, you know, many experiences. And when you go to a hospital setting, if you're the, you know, if you're on a clinical uh, unit and there's five students, everybody doesn't get the same experience. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the reason why I think that simulation and and virtual and augmented reality are going to be a really important part of right. what we're looking at when we're talking about education mm -hmm. so as a you know as an educator um, I've done a little bit of it all I've accompanied students to the clinical setting I've watched them take care of the clients um, I've also been in the labs with them yeah. so it's a it's been a really really um, rewarding also uh, educational experience yeah I, I imagine and and uh getting back to my previous point like the the wide range of like real life experiences that you had prior to focusing more on the educational ones i imagine make you a much better educator than if it was purely didactic and only things you had learned in school in some ways that doesn't even make sense uh so much for healthcare education where like you're actually right. going to become a practitioner you want to be educated by people who actually know what it's like to practice. I think you have to be. I think you have to have someone that has actually done the procedure or been in the setting so that they can bring not only the knowledge, but the experience and the information to share with the, with the students or, you know, or, or with others. You know, when I, when I teach students, I can say that, you know, I, I'm, there's a, there's a range of, of expertise in nursing. Mm -hmm. New students, new grads come out as novices. As you have your experiences, you become an expert. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an expert nurse in critical care or emergency. So if I'm walking by a, a patient's room and I can look in the room and I can pretty much figure out what's going on with that patient just by looking at them. Right. But a new nurse needs to actually walk in the room to the bedside and assess what's going on. Mm -hmm. They have to really bring forward all of that information. So what I bring, what any educator brings to the student is that wealth of experience. Mm -hmm. and, and I imagine that uh, with new techniques are emerging to sort of tap into that experience and also uh, provide the learner with a better sense of what it might feel like even before they're in a hospital. So that, that's part of the idea of the, the simulations, but even, uh, you know, sort of the, the curriculum itself, I imagine, is trying to get nurses to uh, envision themselves in the role of a practicing nurse well before they're, they're sort of finished with, finished with their nursing education. Like, in some ways, you're trying to get um, people to be able to imagine themselves delivering the care and, you know, assessing how they would respond to novel or sort of slightly uh, different scenarios than maybe what they had been trained in. 
Well, and every, every situation could be different mm -hmm. and, and how you respond in that situation is going to be what's really an important piece to that. Yeah. So that, so that as, as, and we can't teach every experience, you have to have that critical thinking, that clinical judgment as a nurse to be able to, you know, respond to whatever's going on. Right, right. And that's where uh, some of the new media capabilities um, and some of the even like older modes uh, come into play as well. So like as, as someone uh, progresses further through their nursing education, uh, or really pretty much any healthcare uh, role, I would imagine, uh, you begin to move maybe out of that didactic phase and more into uh, sort of simulations and uh, even uh, sort of shoulder surfing or following around uh, a practitioner to kind of be in the actual physical context of delivering the care. Um, can, you, can you explain to us a little bit about um, what that's like or what your experience uh, of, you know, getting more and more practical and applied, uh, what that's been like, uh, and then also how maybe that whole field has been changing and say like the last, uh, you know, 10, 15 years with the advent of uh, digital delivery, digital healthcare, uh, all those sorts of things? Well, sure. You know, healthcare changes dramatically year over year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the beginning of, of education, you know, my experience was with static mannequins in a lab. And now we've moved to the ability to have, you know, mannequins in the lab that can respond, they breathe, mm -hmm. they blink their eyes, they actually respond to what the nursing student is is doing, performing on them. They're almost like robots. It's very, it's kind of kind of creepy, freaky yeah. Yeah. That, that they can respond in that way. The yeah. technology is just pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the difficulty with those types of scenarios and labs is that the mannequins are extremely expensive and you still need a, a faculty, a nurse faculty to uh, administer the responses and to be there to observe the students and to guide them. Mm -hmm. um, now, as we move to digital and to virtual simulation on a computer, you actually can build those responses in as a nurse expert, and then the student can do that, uh, that virtual simulation wherever they are, mm -hmm. whether they're at home, there's not the expensive mannequin, there's not a faculty looking over their shoulder. Now they're going to get feedback from what is already into programmed into the scenario, mm -hmm. but they are, you know, they really are on their own. And it gives the students all the same experience too. You know, I said, if you, if there's five students on a, on a unit, they're not all going to get the same patient. So it's going to be different. Mm -hmm. But in this, in this case, we can be sure that every student gets a standard experience. Right. Right. And historically it's been, uh, you know, even in parallel to those mannequins, there have been simulated patients, right? Right. <laughs> Yes, where you can hire an actor right. to come in and perform like a patient. Yes, yes. And, and this, this is for me as a layperson with relatively good uh, pop culture knowledge. This is where Kramer, the Kramer episode of Seinfeld comes to play, where I think like a milk dud 
uh, of some kind. There was like an observation gallery. Uh, Kramer, who was a simulated patient, uh, accidentally uh, drops a milk dud into uh, uh, an a surgical theater, I think, actually. Uh, but um, but a lot of people understand that reference. And uh, it is kind of funny to think how when humans had to solve this problem, uh, it almost lends itself to a sitcom. I, I think it's still maybe funny, depending on how you want to solve it today. Because like when you try to do it with, uh, with a mannequin, uh, there's some comic scenarios that could evolve around what's it like to deal with a mannequin. And I imagine even in the in the, the AR VR scenarios, there are probably some uh, some amusing angles that, that may emerge there. But uh, but I always come back to uh, the idea of Kramer. Uh, was that accurate? Uh, was that was that a pretty fair assessment of uh, of what it was like to deal with a, a simulated patient back in the day? I think I think it it, it could be, and it could it, it could have happened in many different ways. Um, it, it really. <laughs> I think I think Kramer is uh, is uh, not not totally an oddity, but he is definitely odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, the interesting angle, though, too, in reality, is pretty much every patient is going to be kind of quirky and unique in his, his or her own way, and that's why, uh, even though it is sort of a comic example, um, I imagine comic examples walk into an ER more often that might be another podcast in fact like i'd love to get get some of your uh some of your uh your war stories from uh, from we, back we, in the day we definitely have a have a, a running list of interesting cases for sure <laughs> the, you know and, and and the other the other part of that is when we build these cases whether it is through a, a simulated patient or whether it is digital we have to include different personalities because every patient is not going to be compliant Mm -hmm. Every patient is not going to be happy to see me. Right. They're going to be grouchy. They don't feel well. There's a lot of things to build in there. Yeah. So um, I think that's a really important aspect is that we have to be building in the realistic. And the, and, and the social emotional aspect too, oh. which is obviously, I mean, a uh, lot to talk about there. Dan, I think you wanted to get in a little too, right? Well, I think it's, I have a good friend in New York who does the patient simulations. She's an actress and has been hired many times out. But Susan, I wonder if the, the technology here levels the playing field for those in rural settings or, or for nurses who are not at major metropolitan you know, uh, universities because there aren't actors or, or simulated actors at all of these places. Does the technology and the availability of it, um, whether AR, VR, or even just technology of online learning help spread the education sense here in, in nursing and in medicine? Totally does, especially when you think about the specialties. So, you know, I live in rural Tennessee and I worked at a, at a college and, you know, the predominant diagnosis for our clients in our area were heart disease or diabetes. But to get um, a, an interesting case of, of uh, you know, a, a pediatric case that that would be shipped off to a, a larger city. So students that that um, are in a smaller rural setting may never have the opportunity to see that case. Mm -hmm. And the same way with um, obstetric deliveries. You know, a student may go to the hospital for their uh, obstetric rotation and be there 12 hours, 
three or four days and still not see a delivery. Right. And therefore, you've got to provide that clinical experience for all students because they're all going to take the same licensure exam and need that same experience for for their practice. Right. So it's it's huge to have some type of standardized patient, some types of simulated patients, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And there's Go ahead, Dan. Sorry, the other question I had was around time. Obviously, nursing students, uh, medical students are very busy. And one of the uh, articles we had was a New York Times article talking about where medicine is, medicine education is, and talked about a 360 virtual reality experience where a 45-minute procedure was cut down to 5 minutes, 30 seconds. And how important is it that instead of standing over or being Kramer in the gallery watching, um, how important is it to cut down the amount of time needed uh, to provide this educational experience? It, it's huge. You know, most of the most nursing students, and I, I doubt that medical students also have an outside job, but, but most nursing students have some sort of employment, part-time or some of them even full-time if, you know, if, if their finances require that. And therefore, they're always looking for ways to fit more in to their time for study. And so being able to condense the salient points, the important features of whatever the experience is, is, is truly an, an important piece of the education. Yeah, and it's a place where technology really can be a leveler and can provide uh, greater access to what used to be uh you know scarce and highly specialized now if you have uh, the the time and the inclination you can actually lean into experiences that used to only be limited to uh you know the maybe a medical school that's specializing in a particular field now a lot of those assets are there are assets that are captured within that context that are then available for learners who uh, may be far afield, maybe even uh, international. Um, and I know uh, in your experience, you deal with learners um, really all across the globe. And um, has, can you talk a little bit about what that's been like, like just over your experience, uh, like starting to get uh, wider and wider uh, exposure to uh, the types of folks who are interested in uh, healthcare education, nursing education? Sure. Well, nursing education in the United States is definitely different than international education uh, because of the requirements. You know, there's a licensure exam in the United States, and uh, we, have, we have international nurses that want to come to the United States. Therefore, we have to be sure that their education is standardized. And so we've had the opportunity through Kaplan to actually provide uh, education to international nurses as well as testing mm -hmm. for those international nurses. Uh, because, for instance, uh, students that perhaps are in um, the UK uh, don't have as much experience in obstetrics and pediatrics and psychiatric nursing. Mm -hmm. So there's an opportunity to provide lectures, content via digital for those students. And then there is the opportunity to provide virtual simulation clinical experiences to them so that they can reach the standard that's needed in order to be licensed in the states, yep. just like a, a, a nurse educated in the United States. And, and a lot of that is speaking to how um, 
career pathways into healthcare are changing in all sorts of ways and new, uh, new like relevant career paths are emerging that, that really haven't existed before and the way in which care is delivered is evolving. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how, how you've seen those changes? For sure, uh, especially as healthcare providers, nurse practitioners uh, in the United States are, are, are really augmenting that first line uh, access to care. Mm -hmm. and, and with that, then we have other countries, other international nurses who want to be nurse practitioners. And therefore they have to come to the U.S for that education, they have to be licensed as nurses to begin with before they can even get in on the graduate education. So there's a need for not only licensure if they want to practice as a nurse, but also if they want to go to graduate school to become a nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of opportunity for that graduate nursing education to be delivered digitally, right. whether it's through the lectures, through the testing, or through the virtual uh, simulation field. And, and, and I imagine that's true, um, that the virtual helps uh, for folks in that context, but also for a career uh, nurse who maybe uh, got her, her, his or her education 10, 20 years ago. If you want to stay current, and you want to stay up to date in terms of how healthcare is changing and how the world is changing. I imagine digital simulations and otherwise, but just having access to um, the type of curricula that, that you've been working on really throughout your career, uh, your educational career at least, uh, I imagine that, that the digital access to those uh, assets are really valuable for a nurse 10, 20, 15 years into their career. Um, is, that, is that relevant? It is relevant because lifelong learning is a really important part of nursing education. I, you know, I have to tell you, I've, this is my 40th year as a registered nurse. Wow. Yeah. Things have changed in 40 years. Therefore, I've had to stay current through coursework, conferences, but providing continuing education online is a huge component. And as a matter of fact, my doctorate in nursing was through a primarily and predominantly online program mm -hmm. because I could take my courses online and then meet with my professors in person at certain times during the education. But education and practice have certainly evolved into a lot of different um, technologies yep. that are available. And, and some of them are allowing nurses to uh, connect with other nurses more uh, too, which is an interesting uh, trend, like the social aspect. Um, and we were talking a little bit during our prep about how um, uh, the Gallup poll every year uh, to see which uh, professions are the most trusted, uh, pretty much uniformly, uh, the, the number one most trusted occupation is nursing. And uh, when you combine that with the fact that nurses now have new ways to stay connected to the community of caregivers, um, that's exciting because then that, that actually allows these trusted professionals to begin to leverage the emerging capabilities to kind of share knowledge and provide uh, support uh, to each other. Um, any thoughts on the, you know, the history of uh, 
of that Gallup poll and uh, the role of nurses in uh, in sort of the, the, the we talk about the zeitgeist, uh, the idea that like it is a profession, it is an institution that uh, that folks do trust and really seek out uh, really in their times of need. Well, and I think I think that trust is built on the the knowledge that nurses um, have a, a wealth of of background information and knowledge about patient care and health care. And it's not only the physical, it's the it's the caring aspect. It's the psychological aspect. So that um, not only does the nurse uh, appear as that trusted, knowledgeable professional, they are also the caring professional. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times people that I meet just random on the street, at the airport, at the grocery store, and, and we talk and they'll say, and what do you do? And I'm, I always lead off with, well, I'm a nurse. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm a nurse educator. Sure. I help write nursing exams and develop products, but I'm still a nurse at heart and in, in practice. And that's always met with usually a story about how a nurse has really touched mm -hmm. that person or their family's lives. Yeah. And you have people calling you all the time at home saying, okay, my child <laughs> fell off the swing and what should I do for them? Yeah. You know, so it's all based on on that, that knowing um, uh, that, that I have the knowledge and the compassion mm -hmm. to care for them. So I think that's a, I, I love that the Gallup poll does that. And, yeah. and every year nurses just rise to the top. Yeah. And in a very personal way too, you know, like, so I, when you were, when you were talking there, I was thinking like Dan and I are going to hold on to you afterwards and uh, just ask for some private consultation uh, while, while we have you. But it does tie to another uh, concept that we talk about a lot on the show, which is, uh, social and emotional learning. And um, folks who are drawn to the nursing profession, I think frequently have some innate uh, ability to give care and a desire to do it. Um, but I imagine some aspects of this are teachable too. Like in addition to the more cognitive components, um, there are non-cognitive components to really being uh, a good caregiver, a good uh, uh, practitioner in, in healthcare. Um, are there any examples of that that you think are, are relevant to, to this conversation? Yeah, I do. I think that the communication piece is a really important part of that. Um, as a nurse educator and taking nursing students to the clinical setting for the very first time, the hardest thing is getting the student into the room to talk to the patient mm -hmm. because they're nervous. They don't know what to say. Many times they may be 20 year olds trying to talk to an 80 year old. Mm -hmm. So it's really, um, I think the communication and, and in nursing, we call it therapeutic communication. It's how do you listen and how do you respond so that you can benefit your client in a better way. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that that's, that's an important piece of it. And um, again, I, I keep thinking back to, to simulation. There's, there are ways now within um, digital simulation to have a conversation mm -hmm. with the, the patient in that setting. And therefore, uh, you can practice your responses. And then your client will give you 
responses back, whether they're good or bad, it gives you the opportunity to practice that communication. So it's not only the knowledge of how do I start this IV? What is this medication for? But how do I interact with this client? Yeah. And I use client and patient interchangeably. Sure. That's, that's, that's kind of how the nursing world is. But th that's how I, you know, I would respond to you as a patient or client back mm -hmm. to me is a really important aspect. And uh, based on the, the Gallup poll, maybe uh, other professions would benefit from similar training uh, to understand that sort of therapeutic mode and that, uh, you know, care-based active listening that, that is uh, really fundamental to being an effective nurse, but, uh, but maybe, maybe the rest of us uh, really would benefit from more of that. Uh, Dan, I think you had a follow-up as well, right? Yeah, Susan, from a social-emotional learning perspective, and I have to credit my wife for educating me on this, uh, something I've read a lot about is compassion fatigue. Um, and the nursing industry, teachers, uh, emergency response people are often uh, dubbed as, as most uh, susceptible to compassion fatigue, which basically means you are so compassionate towards other people that you eventually uh, lose self-care. You, you take on a lot of that. That's been a big educational push for teachers. Has it been a big educational push for, for nursing students and the idea of teaching the whole nurse, the, the self-care, the, the therapeutic care you're talking about, and really making sure there's self-care involved in their education as well? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a really um, important topic, and it is brought up. And it's, it's really um, noticeable in uh, hospital settings, particularly. You'll see, and, and in nursing, we call it burnout. You, you, you really get burned out in caring for the, the, the client because, again, your focus is outward. Mm -hmm. And so we, we talk to our students about caring for yourself, caring, you know, and caring for yourself on a 12-hour shift when you're caring for five or six patients, that means taking a break. That means having lunch. Mm -hmm. That means stopping to go to the bathroom. I mean, there's, there's a lot that needs to be done, not, not, not only physically, but also emotionally as well. And, um, you know, emotional intelligence is a really key component to being a good nurse, I believe, mm -hmm. because you need to know yourself and you need to know how to care for yourself in order for you to be able to care for the others. Uh, one of the things that I think that helps burnout for nurses is the variety of opportunities we have. Because if you are, you know, if you're burned out as an emergency nurse, then maybe you need to seek out a new or different type of nursing. And those are readily available. It's really good. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, yeah, like help the whole nurse, you know, as, but like but they're helping the whole patient. But, uh, and, uh, and I imagine uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of experience that we impart to our customers and our own, uh, the, the folks who are going through our nursing, Kaplan's nursing program around uh, self-care and social-emotional health and, and all those kinds of things, which, uh, which I think is hugely important. Uh, we're coming up a little bit uh, close to the end of our uh, time with you. Uh, one of the questions we typically like to ask our guests uh, towards the end is, what are some new trends that are emerging that are catching your attention that, uh, that you think might be relevant to our listeners? And they could be related to your field, they could be unrelated to your field, um, but, uh, but you know, we're a trend spotting show and we'd love to hear uh, when we have talent like yourself uh, available to us, we'd love to hear 
what you're noticing. Uh, anything new emerging? Anything uh, sort of got your curiosity and attention these days? Well, related to education, healthcare education, there's a lot of literature, a lot of research, and a lot of movement toward collaborative learning. And, and that means collaborative between physicians, nurses, pharmacists, allied health, um, mm -hmm. respiratory therapy, a lot more of the holistic uh, patient care learning that we see so that you'll see uh, simulations that involve the team. Right. And so we see a lot of that. We see a lot of, in nursing education, active learning principles so that instead of me standing in front of a classroom and lecturing, I'm bringing um, examples and uh, case scenarios into the setting so that students can become involved with the thinking and the interacting. And the other thing that we see coming around the bend is the National Council for State Boards of Nursing who uh, set the licensure exam for nurses is, is talking about a major change in the licensing exam mm. for nurses coming about 2022, 2023. Okay. And it relates to that same case scenario. How do you take care of the patient, not just what's the lab work, what's the medication, but the, the holistic, how am I going to care for this patient and client? Got it. Fascinating stuff. Uh, any final thoughts, uh, Dan, from your side? I think this is a conversation that we could probably have for uh, multiple hours uh, with the, uh, the depth and breadth of your experiences and uh, greatly appreciate it. Mike, any final thoughts before we close out the show? No, I just really appreciate uh, getting uh, Susan uh, uh, on the show. Brandon does send his regrets. He would have loved to have been here. Uh, we'd love to have you back too, to dig into some of these uh, topics in some more depth, but, uh, but thanks very much, uh, Susan, for, for joining us. Thanks for having me. And I could talk about nursing for a long time. And I have a feeling people would listen. So, so let's, <laughs> let's follow you. up on that. Yeah. Susan, anywhere that folks can find out more about yourself or where you teach or, or what, what your focus is right now? Well, we have our Kaplan Nursing website and uh, there'll be uh, information, podcasts, um, white papers, those kinds of things. We have a nurse educators website that they could find at Kaplan Nursing and uh, then I actually still teach an online class for graduate uh, nurse practitioners at uh, a university in Tennessee. So lots of, lots, lots of things going on with me. That's fantastic. And uh, you'll hear Susan's voice across uh, multiple things at Kaplan. You can check out Kaplan's uh, nursing YouTube channel as well. Uh, learn more about Susan uh, therein. So uh, a great guest and look forward to having you again in the future. You can find us uh, on Twitter at Trending and Ed. Same on Facebook, uh, over on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in. Don't forget to leave a rating, leave a comment and share us with a friend. With that said, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Trending in Education.